Hi, and welcome to season one of the Mental Fitness Podcast with me, Anthony Taylor. This is the podcast where we look at what it takes to be mentally fit. That intersection between mental toughness, emotional intelligence, and good mental health. We interview some of the best people from the sporting, business, and psychological worlds to bring you the stories and suggestions on how to build your mental fitness. Here's a snapshot of what we've got in store for you this week. When I look at what inspired me to start my own business, it does come down to very simply a combination of my eating disorder and also about the pressures that I faced as a working parent because I had become effectively a ghost to my children. You know, I was working 24-7, seven days a week, and I was doing something I didn't enjoy. And that was a really important part for me. And even now it's a very important part for me is to do whatever I do with purpose. Everything about what I'm doing now is heavily purpose-driven because fundamentally I wanted to be able to make life a little bit easier, healthier and tastier for other people who deal with the same stresses and imbalances that I do. So if you like what you hear over the rest of this episode, then please join the conversation with me on Instagram at anttaylor72 or on LinkedIn where you can find me under Anthony Taylor Mental Fitness. And please subscribe. It takes just a minute, but it's going to help the podcast reach more people. Okay, let's crack on with the show. Today, I am really excited to have a, a conversation with a lady that I've been following on LinkedIn and got to know via LinkedIn for, I think, the last two or three years now. Time flies, it could even be longer. And I'm really excited to hear about her journey from the corporate world to what she's doing now, and also how open she's been around mental health and eating disorders. So welcome to Tanya Lambert, founder of Tanya's Just Real Sources. Hello, Anthony. Lovely to meet you. Oh, finally, virtually. Yes, finally, virtually. And we have been talking now, haven't we, online via LinkedIn for... It's been around four years, actually, Anthony, and you have supported me on both of my um, fundraising campaigns and your support through LinkedIn has been immense, as has many other people's. Oh, well, thank you very much. I can't believe it's been four years. I don't really know where that time's gone. It's crazy, isn't it? No, it's mad. It is. So, Tanya, as I do with all the guests in this first season, I want to kick off with the question, what does mental toughness mean for you? Anthony, it's a really powerful question for me, that one. And it is heavily driven around the fact, I believe that mental toughness is around accepting your weakness. And a big part of my journey has been actually facing, as you've mentioned, my eating disorder, facing my fears and channeling my negative energy associated with my eating disorder and all the behaviors towards my positive kind of path in terms of Tanya's Just Real. And very much the whole concept of Tanya's Just Real is the Just Real is actually all about me being Just Real. And the fact that my journey isn't that dissimilar from other people's, particularly in terms of my journey as a working mum who struggles with the work-life balance, the juggling with children and what have you. But then equally for me, mental toughness, it's interesting, it's heavily driven by gut health. So it's also about putting good things into your body because we are in fact what we eat, but it doesn't stop there for me for my journey. It's who we eat with, it's why we eat and how we eat. And by eating the right way for me, I've been able to develop my mental toughness. Well, wow, there's so many great aspects to what you just said there. I'm really excited to, to go with the conversation on that. I think you make a really good point about how mental toughness is more than perhaps many people think it is. I think it has this connotation of sort of, you know, big biceps and balls and pushing through and, and all those things. But I also think it talks about new self-awareness 
And yes, it's about facing our fears like you talked about and hopefully going to expand on, but actually having some self-awareness and that it's not about not feeling things, but it's about facing the fears and our, and our challenges that we face and working with those anyway. No, absolutely. And it is very much talking is it plays a huge part of mine one of my big you know my husband when he married me bless him he didn't know I had an eating disorder um and I've lived with my eating disorder for the best part of 30 years now um I'm 39 to kind of to put some relevance on that almost 40 shouldn't be excited about that but I am um but um it's very much about when I opened up to him and talked to him yes I'm you know I'm struggling I'm unwell my toughness was then developed through that talking but then also opening up with my children and you know general comms and it's made me very very aware mental toughness particularly during the pandemic of developing a new level of resilience because everything around the pandemic has actually had a negative impact in terms of my eating disorder and making me trying to control things and it is that very the serenity prayer plays a major role in my mental toughness in terms of controlling things accepting things you cannot control and you know having the wisdom to see the difference between what you can control and what you cannot i think that's the fundamental part you know the model of mental toughness that i subscribe to and work with is what's called the four c's model and the very first c in that model it's a circular model a bit like a pizza um is control and that is around two aspects that one is around emotional control and the second is the life control and that seems to fit with exactly what you're talking about with the serenity prayer focusing on what we can control and letting go of other things have you always found that easy to do or is that is that a development and do you still see that you've got ways to go when we look at eating disorders some people are able to come out and recover completely if they're treated early enough mine was always very much associated with emotions and i have chat you know i've had a couple of breakdowns and where my toughness has been very much broken, but it's then actually, I can recognize them now in my behaviors when I'm gonna to get to that point. And it's about then stepping back and saying, right, I can't change this. And rather than it manifesting itself, because even as I say, the beginning of COVID, I'd be very open about it. The first lockdown, I started to exercise too much and I started to unconsciously under eat. And that wasn't my typical behavior um, with, because I have bulimia. Um, and I wasn't binging and purging. So I didn't recognize I was actually acting out in a different way. So I had to rein that in and kind of say, right, you've got to reduce how much you exercise. And those kind of elements I can control. So it's about that, as I say, that awareness. That is so important, isn't it? That self-awareness you talked about there that you started to overexercise and then unconsciously, if I heard you correctly, under eat. Um, and I know we had a conversation offline before we started our, our talk today about um my particular episode with an anxiety attack at the back end of last year and how um, that repeated it again a few, a couple of weeks ago, because I'd slipped into some behaviors that were unconscious around pushing myself and other things and, and got out of some of the preventative behaviors that I share and talk about with clients, but just got to do myself, not consciously, but unconsciously. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as it, and I hate to consistently refer to the pandemic, but it has, we're all stuck at home and, you know, for natural, for yourself and me, we love to work, right? We love what we do, but when all that's all you can do, then it does become very, um, it's suffocating almost. Yes, absolutely. And I'm glad you said, you know, we love to work. I want to pick up on that because you've got quite an amazing story. You 
were a very successful woman in the in the business world beforehand in the corporate world. And I want you to just expand on that a little bit. And then tell me about how you transitioned to, to finding your passion and, and setting up this and being this entrepreneur and setting up this your business. I started working for my father back in 2007 and that was with a company in the energy industry and we grew a business from zero to 40 million within a four-year period. Uh, We were the fastest growing green business recognized by the FT, hugely successful and I absolutely loved it. It was voltage power optimization which is effectively a big piece of copper that brings down the voltage level going into commercial buildings. My background is philosophy and then I also I didn't actually complete a degree. I dabbled in philosophy um, and then I transferred my degree over to University of Western Australia. But during this, during that journey, I had I was very unwell. Uh, so my eating disorder came to join me when I was nine years old. As a result of my parents' very difficult breakdown, and my father does actually suffer from narcissistic personality disorder, which had and it's heavily denial illness. So it was undiagnosed, but it had a definite impact on both my mum's mental health, but then also my own, and that's also led to my eating disorder as such. But you asked me about the corporate background. So ironically, I ended up working with my father and I was the third person to join the business. By 2011, um, I was blessed to get pregnant. I met my husband at work. I was blessed to get pregnant. And after many years of being told that you'll never have children, uh, my daughter is called Aurora. And that's because when I found out I would be able to get pregnant was when I saw the Northern Lights in Aurora Borealis. I thought I was going to go straight back into the office after I had her um, because I did love what I did. They used to say, if you cut Tanya in half, you find copper. So I returned to work, but I hated it and I cried every day. My whole perspective had shifted like everybody else's um, perspective when you have children and lucky enough to have children. And I said to my husband, right, let's have another one and I'll give up work. So I gave up work. We had another one, our little boy, Luca was born 15 months later so there's 15 months between them and they changed my life completely changed my life but during the time that I'd taken my work break from work from 2011 to 2013 my father also stepped away from the business for health reasons 18 months in the business unfortunately the people that we handed over went from 40 million down to 6 million tragic tragic situation within financially and internal fraud going on gross misconduct etc etc so anyway my father returned to work um he cleaned up the board and he asked me to go back in to work in 2015 so i jumped at the opportunity because i thought right i um, wasn't fit to be a stay-at-home mum. i was getting slightly frustrated i wasn't you know i loved the kids and i loved that initial years but i really wanted to reactivate my mind but more equally I wanted to be able to help help grow the business back. Unfortunately, when I returned to the business, the first port of call that I had to do was I had to make 25 redundancies across the team, which when you've been speaking Gugu Gaga language and you've never done a redundancy was very challenging. So when I returned back to the office, we had 15 months to rebuild the business and I had to look for pre-pack administration. Unfortunately, was the only route by which we could get investment into it. I negotiated over a three-month period a contract my father had stepped away and said, right, you to me and my husband, you guys take over. We acted as kind of managing director, did the deal. On the day of the signing of the deal, I said to my husband, if my life hasn't changed in three months, um, then I need to think about doing something else. Three months was too long. I had a breakdown. During the course of that three-month period, my eating disorder came back. And I said, right, I'm going to have to hand in my notice. 
Little did I realize at that point in time, I was devastated about leaving the team and I thought I'm letting everybody down. But little did I realize at that point in time was um, that it was actually, whilst the most difficult decision I'd ever made was the thing that really changed my life because I spent six months from 2015 to 2016 rebuilding myself and also reevaluating my life and what was important to me and it, what I was passionate about because I'd lost all of these things. And it came down very simply to, yes, high, despite my eating disorder, highly passionate about food, um, keeping well, somehow involving my children in my business, but fundamentally making a positive impact to other people. And it occurred to me, right, well, I'm going to create initially dressings. And then I thought, because everybody would come over and say, your dressings are amazing. Your salads are amazing. I never eat fruit and veg. And even my kids were eating them. Um, so then I thought, right, well, OK, who should I talk to? I spoke to Sodexo, one of my ex-clients and the engineering team. I took my samples in little glass bottles over to see them, drove to Wales and served them a lunch and said to them, what do you think? And I said, it's a great idea, great tasting dressings. I then founded my business in the car in 2016 on February the 21st. So just over five years old now. That's quite the story, isn't it? From And thank you for being so open and sharing that, you know, from the corporate world, the growing the business so successfully to then um, your challenges around that and, and stepping back and then being pregnant and then seeing the business go the way it went, having to turn that around again. And then going with that, you know, you talked about the breakdown then and then coming back then and still despite these challenges coming back from that that really is the sort of definition of resilience isn't it it's that ability to to keep overcoming the challenges that we're facing and keep moving forward the key part for me is when I look at what inspired me to start my own business it does come down to very simply a combination of my eating disorder which was all about ultra processed foods which fueled my illness and also about the pressures that I faced as a working parent, because I had become a ghost, effectively a ghost to my children in my corporate life. You know, I was working 24 seven, seven days a week, and I was doing something I didn't enjoy. And that was a really important part for me is, and even now it's a very important part for me, is to do whatever I do with purpose. And that was that everything about what I'm doing now is heavily purpose driven because fundamentally I wanted to be able to make life a little bit easier, healthier and tastier for other people who deal with the same stresses and imbalances that I do on a day to day basis. But whilst also offering, you know, a completely clean label product and it did start in a home kitchen, you know, it started with me with three blenders and seven fridges. Um, blending till two, three in the morning and then bottling them, labeling them. The kids got involved in the labeling, albeit they were very young. So lots of wonky labeling. Um, and it has, I mean, it's been a heck of a journey an absolute, an amazing journey. And I wouldn't change a single moment of it. Simply also, you know, my children were the tasting panel. My children eat every single one and flavor of my sources are very fundamentally different. Each of them inspired by different members of my family. It's so important, isn't it, to to find that why. I know um, for myself, I found myself 40 years of age. I've not long since been unexpectedly divorced. I was quite financially um, challenged by that. Uh, my mum had just recently passed away and from cancer. And then I found myself unemployed. And I just took some time out at that point. So I'm, I'm miserable doing what I'm doing. I need to live the rest of my life and do something I'm really passionate about. And that purpose has fueled the self-doubts and overcome that not fueled the self-doubts it's helped me overcome the self-doubt on this journey to overcome the financial sort of challenges and hardships as I've grown my business 
and and it sounds like that's been you know you've done that with you i followed this journey with you right online when you started to share it on linkedin and seen the growth and the development of it and heard about your challenges as you've gone through that um it really is in, important isn't it to help people for people to do that to find that why that purpose yeah it i mean it is absolutely essential and you mentioned the financial side and this is you know, people, when they look at my LinkedIn, they think, oh, corporate world, she must have left with loads of money, has gone and set up her business. The truth is, is I left with nothing. You know, I was on golden handcuffs. I'd left all my shares in the previous business. Um, I walked away with a Honda Civic. My husband and I didn't have any assets. And the business that when I said to Mike, um, right, I want to start my own business, he said, well, how on earth are you going to fund it? And fortunately, due to the cash flow management and the business planning that was involved during the prepack administration that we went through, I had learned the business planning side of it. So, you know, understanding what how to project it was really important when I brought the business plan together because then I founded the business with a startup government loan and was able to secure the full 25K of unsecured funding. So I would say to anybody that does watch this, if you are looking to fund, that is a really good starting point in terms of getting accessing money if you don't have any security. And I think that's interesting as well. You make a really good point. You know, we spend so much time on social media, even on professional sites like LinkedIn, and it is, I've been guilty of it, and I talk about it with clients. It's so easy to look at somebody else and make massive assumptions about how successful they are or how clever they are or, or whatever, you know, how much resources they've got behind them. And so often that's just not the case, is it? No, it, it's not. And it's similarly, you know, when I decided to start up a, in, in the food industry I knew nothing you know I didn't I had to do my food safety management level three the house had to be EHO checked which is an environmental officer checked yes I think that's right got that all done and you know when I look at doing those you know six months to a year of hard labor in my home kitchen actually the product wasn't selling anywhere but when I finally had kind of finalized the recipes then I was told to go and find a manufacturer and I've now been through four manufacturers and I've had hideous experiences with some of them um, one of the very key parts of as you'll know from our product um, is it's entirely raw and fresh and that was a really challenging point and it's actually taken me four years to develop the product to get a finely finished clean label no citric acid no guar gum no xanthan gum in the product and if I, when I founded the business in the car, I did think in five years, we'll be doing really well. We'll be global. We'll be, you know, it's I'm five years and we're, yes, we're great. We've got a secured a listing with Waitrose, which we launched during the pandemic and then also with Costco. But I didn't think it would take five years to get here. So, so what's kept you going during that time? Because you have been through, as you said, real challenging time. Uh, how do you keep bouncing back? It's just passion. Do you know what? It's the inspiration. It's the passion and genuinely always believing that what I'm trying to do is not only unique, but it will make a difference to people, people's lives and other people. Because the number of you know consumers that I have spoken to who have used the product or friends, what have you, just say, yeah, they've changed. You know, they're a staple in my fridge. And it's it. the other piece, actually, is actually also LinkedIn. And it sounds really odd is whilst I'm not, a, in fact, I'm quite anti-social media. Um, I've got major issues with TikTok and Instagram, particularly associated with the impact of body image. You know, my children are now seven and nine, so they don't have phones, but it fills me with fear when they do have access to that kind of social media negativity and influence. Um, by contrast, LinkedIn, whilst, you know, people will have some issues with LinkedIn, no doubt. For me, it has been an unbelievable platform 
to engage with people, to learn from other people, but also to break into a new industry. And very interesting, sorry, there's a, and I won't mention names in this, but there's a senior individual at Heinz who, interestingly, had met me at Food Matters Live or had tried the product at Food Matters Live, one of the events in London. I hadn't had the pleasure of meeting him, but then I reached out to him via LinkedIn. And it turns out that he went to primary school with somebody that I went to school with. And the irony of the story was the fact that actually it was was quite sad because when he said, do you know this person? I was, unfortunately, I lost my best friend at the age of 18. Um, She was raped and murdered on my 18th birthday. I thought the natural inclination was he knows me because of that. And he was aware of that, but he didn't know me because of that. But, you know, all of those little aspects and pitfalls that I saw through my teen years that really, I mean, I was broken, very, very broken when I was 22. I mean, I was a mess before I started working Power Perfected. But as you say, and it is um, a great author, Harry Potter. Rowley. Oh, J.K. Rowling. Yeah, J.K. Rowling. You know, she says how she talks about how the, the breakdowns and hitting rock bottom once you've hit rock bottom you can only ever get up and that's very much been true of my life in both my earlier years but then also at the mental um, breakdown that I had from my corporate career it was I had to hit that rock bottom and I am an extremist I mean that's very much associated with my illness as well and for me what the last five years has allowed me to do is really focus on that mental health because the the sources as I say Yes, they take the stress and the mess out of um, home cooking, but it's also about eating. And as I mentioned earlier in this, is really feeding your mind when you're feeding your body as well. I'm glad you talked about gut health because it is so important, isn't it? We are what we eat. You know, there's various, there's a great book called The Body Keeps the Score. And I think that's really important. And I notice the difference when I'm, when I'm at certain stress levels, I can monitor my stress levels by my appetite and my food choices. Now, when I'm in a great place, it's much easier to make healthy food choices. And then ironically, when things start to get out of kilter, then I make worse food choices, which just exacerbates the problem. And I think there's a lot of research now to show that there are a huge number of neurons in the gut, aren't there? They're directly linked to the brain. Do you know what? And I'm not going to purport to be an expert or a dietitian or a nutritionist or anything like that. Or, and as I say, it's for me, it's more about just personal experience of what I eat. And as you said, you know, ultra processed, I don't ha- eat any ultra processed foods at all. I can't afford to because they, uh, my illness has meant that I've become somewhat addicted to salt and sugar levels that are incorporated into them. But it's also not knowing what's in them. So it's not necessary. And this is where uh, there needs to be an increased awareness of actually reading labels and interrogating them. And if you see E numbers, if you see things that you don't recognize, as I say to my children, it's great to watch my kids. And the other gut health piece, actually, in terms of my personal experience, my daughter loves red meat. But when she eats red meat too much, her anger threshold is huge. It becomes really, really uptight. And that's just from a personal experience. My little boy and her mood swings, and we see it with kids, you know, when they eat sugar, what have you, you can just see it. Yeah, it's it's just the very, as I say, is I'm not going to purport to be a professional on it, but it's just personal experience that has allowed me to understand more about it. Yeah, and I think you're right, isn't it? You know, there's so much diet advice out there. I read a brilliant article in The New Scientist recently about metabolism myths and the things we get wrong and, and all the rest of it. And I think you make a really good point about the importance is for people to take time to figure out what works best for them. And I know for me, you know, I sort of I watched a program called Game Changers on Netflix. And it's about vegetarianism and sport and all the rest of it. And so I ended up trying that for a couple of weeks. And what a difference. 
I still eat meat, but I now incorporate more days eating vegetables. And I, the difference it makes for me in terms of less bloated, just feeling more energy, really interesting. I'm not sure I could give up bacon and chicken and steak completely, but I just eat significantly less than I used to. But I think that kind of trial and error approach applies. We can learn that not from food, but also about what helps us be resilient. My husband, by contrast, is a very unhealthy diet, shall we say. Yeah, I do try my best again between what I would, but it's I've got quite a simple diet in terms of it's generally fish and my sauces and salads and even the kids. also. And I do actually. And again, this is probably part of part of my eating disorder, but I have to eat at exactly the same time every day to ensure that you know my mood's in the right place but another really important part where we talk about and everything that we've created as a brand and kind of the messaging is is mentioned it's not just about what you eat it's the environment in which you eat so with my parents breakdown that was the end of family dinners and therefore all the talking communication went down as well and then you had the development of tv dinners and you know that was the ready meal time and all the rest of it and in back in my youth and that had a hugely negative impact on me and for me the most important 45 minutes of our day is when we sit down as a family to eat and that's when the comms open and it's been interesting during covid because obviously we've all been homeschooling so how do you ask them what you've been doing with your day you then and what we've been discussing more recently is not just you know stuff like what would you do if you won the lottery or what's your greatest fear and an interesting one I mentioned earlier in the story is my son's been terrified of dogs so I was like right we need to get a puppy to help him overcome his fear and I've been talking about it for two and a half years so it's not just a lockdown puppy kind of thing he had said that he would overcome it um, we've now had Sonny for the best part of 10 weeks and he has been terrified you know he I've barely seen him because he's either hidden in his room this is my son as opposed to the dog and he's um and it's been really really challenging on actually both of our mental health because I can see the fear in his eyes and yesterday was a revelation so we had finally we had a barbecue um with some friends over just two families got together and Sonny was on a long lead and initially he hadn't wanted to come to the barbecue and he'd actually said can I go and see my grandma and I said no you can't you're gonna stay and we put him on the long lead. And this morning, Anthony, he is walking down, stroked the puppy and he overcame his fear and that sense of achievement that you can see. And for me, I mean, it was just so heartwarming that he's finally got to that point. I, he can walk into the office now and give me a hug and he's not scared to be around the around the puppy. So that's fantastic, isn't it? It's brilliant. And again, it just nods to what you talked about I think, earlier on about confronting our fears uh, and I know certainly a lot around mental health and people who suffer with anxiety, where they fall down sometimes is they try and avoid it because it's an uncomfortable feeling. So they go, or they avoid situations, but that just shrinks our lives. And the way to really tackle with anxiety is, and I think all mental health issues, is to hit, meet them head on, is to embrace them to, like say, hit rock bottom, but then be really proactive about, right, I'm going to deal with this. I'm going to learn as much as I can about it. And I'm going to tackle it head on rather than through avoidance. Absolutely. And I think that's been a really important part of my journey from starting my business, because as you'll probably remember back from when we first linked in, I was wearing a black mask, which is my profile picture. I've been through three brand iterations. The first one was the Dress Grade Source Company, and that was heavily driven. The, the mask was reflective for me of my phantom. And where that came from is after I came out of treatment, my boyfriend 
at the time took me to go and see Phantom of the Opera. I've now seen it 16 times. I cried all the way through it. And it was a moment of revelation for me because I could finally personify my illness because everything about that particular production the phantom is my eating disorder. So when I do refer to him, I will call him my phantom sort of thing. And um, interestingly, I walked down the aisle um, to All I Ask of You. Um, so, and our whole of our, uh, what we had was a hag party, which was a combination of a hen and a stag do, was themed Phantom of the Opera. So we dressed up, I dressed up as Christine and my husband was the Phantom, which is ironic, but it wasn't <laughs> like that. Um, so that's why I initially actually wore that mask with the first iteration of the brand was because it was about me facing my fears, but I'll be totally frank. I didn't admit to anybody I had an eating disorder because I thought there's going to be a huge disconnect. She's working in the food industry yet she's got bulimia and I still had quite a lot of shame associated with it and that shame won't ever really go because particularly as I think I've got I wasted so much food but similarly the black dress that I wore was the dress that when I was walking down our high street where we had to move to last minute due to salary cuts walking down the high street and I saw this black dress in the window and I thought I have to try it on and it was the first time for the best part of two years that I'd actually wanted to try something on for me and I put it on and it fit like a glove and I just thought this is the me before children this is the me before my corporate career this is the me that I want to feel like and I want to love and I think lots of women out there and lots of men equally will have an item of clothing that just makes them feel a hundred a hundred dollars and and that is really important through anybody and to anyone who does have children is to not lose sight of who you are. And yes, put your family first, but it's really important for your own strength and for them to support them to not lose sight of you. As you say, that goes the self-awareness piece. So anyway, that's why I was wearing the black dress and the um, the mask was it was that messaging. But back in 2017, um, we had a launch party after the first crowdfunding campaign that I had. And I was wearing a red dress and a white mask. And I don't know what made me do it, but I gave it, I was going to do a talk, but I'd removed my mask at that point in time. And, you know, we're now in 2021 and it's now Tanya's Just Real. It has been that whole development because I then was the saucy affair, which actually I didn't come up with that wording and it didn't really fit with the brand. And it kind of, um, I suppose it devalued the messaging that I really wanted to get across. So back in, after another Cedars campaign 2019, that was all about the relaunch of Tanya's Just Real. But along every element of every year has been a milestone of me taking one step closer to facing my illness. It will never be gone. However, you know, I hope that sharing it does help other people because I know that when I talk to people, it really helps me. And when I hear about other people's journeys, it really helps me. I think you're right. It's you know, the first stage in anything is, is acceptance, isn't it? Acceptance of where we are, acceptance of our vulnerabilities, our insecurities, you know, the aspects of our personality that might be less helpful. Yeah, that's definitely the way forward, isn't it? Accepting that. It is, uh, without fail. And it's also another element that I've become very aware of is when I see I may, I'll make comments for example my husband or I'll get because it's not easy living with somebody who's got mental illness there is you know my heart goes out to him because sometimes I will be saying things to him or accusing him of things that actually it's um, it's myself that I'm talk, referring to and that's quite common that you know we see that in business all the time is people may nitpick but actually it's what 
it's their own behaviors that they're nitpicking on i think you're absolutely right i think i don't think it's just business i think it's life we tend what's that saying you know we, we criticize other people most for what we dislike about ourselves and i think there's something in you know the other thing in my line of work is there's a saying which is we teach what we need the most and it's funny that you say that because just before we obviously came onto this, we were talking about how, you know, from the outside world, people may be looking at us just thinking these guys have got it all together. But actually, you know what, we've all got, as you say, we've all got our own vulnerabilities. And one of the biggest things for me, having been a solo founder for the first four years, actually, I was telling my story through LinkedIn. And for every day I was telling a new part of my story was I was getting more well and stronger and stronger and that resilience was growing and increasing and it was because other people were also saying to me I'm in that boat too I'm not gonna lie I'm going through a tough time at the moment and that tough time is you know heavily driven by the pandemic and what have you and hence I've actually been saying less I've been talking less and posting less and I know I'm waiting for that point where I can start to talk more because there will be a point when I get to talk more and kind of and I'm talking more at home as well. You've been really open and talking to us and sharing a lot about your journey and the challenges. If you could wrap up, what would be one or two bits of advice you might suggest to listeners to think about? For any people who are thinking about making that transition from the corporate world into entrepreneurship, self-employment, or anyone facing challenges around eating, eating disorders and mental health? I've spoken with quite a few people who have considered you know shall I do it and the one piece I would say is be prepared to graft I mean there's and be prepared to be knocked back and to be that stubborn because that's actually what's got me through most of this is to believing in what you do and to be able to deliver it with the greatest amount of passion Um, and for similarly if you are in the corporate world and you're waking up every morning just thinking, why am I doing this? It's time to get out. Um, I mean, it, you really need to. Well, I need to personally. And I know that's easy to, it's easier said than done. Um, but I know personally that if I can't wake up in the morning happy to walk into work, then I'm doing the wrong thing. And that is a really, really important piece. And the other bit I'd say is... <laughs> I say, you know, get re- ready for the roller coaster ride. And, you know, even if the roller coaster, because I, I think I, you've got the up and down and up and down. And then you do have the very down bit where you think, I, you know, I've got no choice. I'm going to have to take stock. And that to an extent, I have to say, Anthony, I'll be very open. That's kind of where I am at the moment. But then it's reflecting, looking back on the last five years and what's come out of it. And it has all been about the learnings, the incredible people that I've met along the journey, people that have changed my, completely changed my life and all the self-development that's been involved on that entrepreneurial journey. But you've got to be prepared for the fight, basically. And it is, it's exciting. And, you know, one in 10 days is a good one, but you've just got to hang on to that one day because that's the day that will get you through the next 10 days. On the eating disorder side, I mean, it's so, so tough because, as I say, it took me the best part of 25 years to open up about it. And my eating disorder came to me in the form of tummy aches. And it was very simple. And I was only nine at the time. I was was eight at the time. In fact, the tummy ache started. And it was all about, and this comes back to that gut health piece, not being able to express my emotions of how I was feeling about the environment I was living in with my parents. And then that evolved. I had every test under the sun because I was consistently complaining about the tummy aches. And then I had an endoscopy. And that was the bit that silenced me because I was very young to have an endoscopy. I stopped talking. And um, I then found my phantom, as I say. And I was 
convinced and even till today I was in control of it for the first year you know it was very much a everything about the action of the binging and purging it is about the suffocation of emotions and then getting rid of them so it actually is the action involved in that whole process um and then before you know it which is where I ended up it had taken control so for anybody for anyone that does suffer or has children that suffer it best a to get in there early and tragically the pandemic has led to a significant rise in eating disorders but it's absolutely no surprise um because it's all this world of uncertainty and that is the breeding ground for the our illnesses i think don't be ashamed because the shame is the bit that will keep you silent there needs to be more help and more understanding around it i mean back when i had it obviously very limited understanding um similarly for all the right reasons my mum was also ashamed of it she would she didn't want to talk about it because you know as a mother you feed your children um and you don't want you know that's a natural thing for someone to do um with homes i would also say that when you served in and this i'm really is very important to me i served meals in the center of the table and let the children help themselves and that means that a you're not forcing them to eat a certain amount it empowers them to be more relaxed and comfortable around food but also for, it's learning about food learn about the food as you say learn about the food that you eat learn about the safe foods um and just just open up i mean it is the hardest thing to do and as i say having been quiet for 25 years it's the hardest thing to do but and you know, people think it's only a teenage thing and you get over it in your teenage years it's it's not um and well it wasn't my case well, thank you for sharing that i think that both the advice on the entrepreneurship journey and on what you just talked about and shared with mental health there is really important and i just echo i think you know it is great it's great that freddie flintoff came out not long ago i don't know if you saw that program yeah. talking about him and I think we've made great strides around the conversations around mental health away from, you know, we're shifting the needle now, aren't we? Away from that kind of ignorance and misunderstanding through people like yourself and Freddie and many others opening up and talking about it. I still think we've got a long way to go, haven't we? We do have a long way to go, you know, because there's not, there are so many illnesses that are undiagnosed, um, first of all, and it's, it's very difficult for people to understand. When I say to people, you know, I, if I'm having a bad day, I can't park my car because I think the car's the size of a bus. I think I'm, and that's how it physically manifests itself. There isn't a quick switch on mental health. The, you know, as, as you say, you can't just say, right, here's a pill, you're gonna be fine. Or, you know, take some painkillers or what have you. And, it, and the pain that you feel is as, is as obvious as it is physical. I've got a very high pain threshold. I mean, I both the kids were born without any, um, any drugs or anything and I, as I say is that physical pain for me I can understand and you can touch and feel and I can get my head around it it's when my headspace isn't right that is destroying for me. I really enjoyed this conversation I think it's been so enlightening and I want to thank you very much for being so willing to be open and honest and share the successes and the challenges and the failures I think it's going to be really it's been inspiring for me and I think it's going to be really inspiring for people listening to that and sharing your, your top thoughts on that. Um, where can we, because I've tried your sources, I must admit, I've tried them for a while and really got, and I've got out of habit. So where can we go back to pick them up? Well, first of all, Anthony, I want to say thank you very much for having me. Um, it's And I really do appreciate you giving me airtime to these issues that are really important for me personally, and I know for you as well. Um, 
Waitrose. So go to Waitrose Chillers and you can find them um, and make sure that you post anything or when you try them, use them, use them hot or cold. Um, you can cook with them. They are cooking from scratch in a bottle, completely fresh ingredients, gluten free, lactose free, wheat free, naturally vegan as well. Well, no, I've tasted them in the past. I've just got out of the habit. So and you reminded me I've got a Waitrose three and a half miles away. I will be going there later on. <laughs> Well, good. As I say, post it, right? I want to see what you cook. <laughs> I will, right? I, I will. That's a challenge. I promise I will do that. I'll come up with something this weekend and, and post it. Thank you very much again for your time. I wish you all the very best to you and the family and Luca for congratulations on his fear of overcoming the dog, his dog fear. And yeah, wish you every success with the business going forward. That's very kind of you. Thank you very much, Anthony. Thanks for listening to today's episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe. It only takes a moment, but it makes a massive difference to the visibility of the show and how many people we can reach. You know, our mission is to help people develop the mental fitness so that they can achieve more than they thought themselves capable of. So it'd be great if you could do that. A big thanks to Charlotte Foster Podcast for her hard work on producing the show. You can connect with her on LinkedIn. And the music for show is Where to Run by Strength to Last, created by the musical talents of Adrian Walfer, a Canadian living in Nashville. Check out his music on Spotify and YouTube Music.